Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. This is a show I look forward to every time we do it, and we do it for every primary and every election. We call it the Citizen Observer Show. We don't have experts on We have people like you, people who are voters on this day. Because voting is one of our very few American civic rituals. It's something we do. We have a specific set of feelings, I think, for each of us to get stirred up on any given polling day. Um, and you have interactions, you see the poll standers with their signs, maybe you run into your neighbor. People in small towns often know everybody they see on primary day or on election day. So we're going to talk to people about that, about how their feelings were and how the day went. Uh, nothing more profound than that, but it might turn out to be pretty profound. It often does. So stay with us. WNPR's Decision 2018, What the Hell is Happening? Coverage continues today with the Colin McEnroe Show's annual Citizen Observer Roundup. We'll gather together some well-known names and some not well-known names to describe the experience of voting at the polls. So now get ready. We paid a lot of money for this fanfare, and we're going to use it. Oh, that was excellent. In fact, the fanfare is 25% of the reason I do this show every year, <laughs> just, just to have it, just to hear it. Um, all right. So um, what we're going to do is this something we do every year. We are going to go around the state uh, by phone uh, and talk to people who have voted uh, in the primaries. Uh, and what we do is what we're interested in is the experience of voting, the, the feeling that people have when they vote. And, and in fact, so I, have, I, I can go first. I have voted so far today, uh, and <laughs> in fact, I'm the only person who has voted so far today. No, that's not true. Lots of people have voted. I'm here. I got my little sticker. It's all about the sticker. You got to get the sticker. Um, what I did today was um, I voted without a photo ID, and the reason I did this is that I consider Connecticut's photo ID or voter ID law to be somewhat murkily worded, if murkily is in fact an adverb. Uh, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not casting asparagus on anyone. I'm just saying it's a little hard to understand. So I feel that part of my job as a citizen observer is to test it and make sure that we all understand how it works and that it works the way it's supposed to work. So one of the ways it's supposed to work is that I should be able to go in there knowing my name, check, and my address, check, and with something like, let's say, a social security guard, card check, which does not have a photo on it, check, and be, and be able to vote. And that was the case today. The person who checked me in understood all those things, and I did vote. Um, so so there. Uh, the other thing I want to quickly mention before we get to the calls uh, is that um, tonight at 8 p.m., we're going to resume our WNPR 
2018, Decision 2018, What the Hell Happened coverage from 8 to 10. Uh, Lucy Nalpothanchel, John Dankosky, whose birthday it is today, and I will be anchoring some coverage uh, for two hours. And we'll have, we really have just like everybody. Uh, we have not only our outstanding best news team ever out in the field, but we also have some of uh, the keenest observers uh, of politics in the state of Connecticut. Also, Danny Har. Just kidding. Uh, all right. It's time to start uh, talking to our observers out on the field. You know, if we have little spare moments, if we have uh, enough time to do this, uh, maybe uh, you'll be able to call in, too, particularly if something exceptional happened at the polling place. Like, for example, the machine caught on fire. We would definitely want to know that. Um, uh, shoving match broke out between the Stefanowski and Stubberman poll standards. We would want to know that. Uh, you know, or anything like that. So uh, we'll try to get some phone calls on the air, too, if you have your own special stories. But meanwhile, we're going to get started here. We've got Republicans. We've got Democrats. That's sort of less important anyway, because we're not talking about who you voted for or who you want to have win or anything like that. And this isn't a political analysis show. It's about the civic act of voting, what it feels like on Election Day or on primary day. In this case, joining us right now to get things started, I believe, is Dan Spicer, sales engineer for Light Sources in Orange, Connecticut. Uh, he votes in Milford. Uh, and uh, I assume he has uh, voted uh, in Milford, the otherwise known as the Land of Claridus. Uh, but anyway... I think that's they're thinking of even switching the town name. Uh, I don't know if that's been out there yet, Dan. But um, Claridisport. Claridisport is nice, isn't it? I like that. Themisport. Themisport is easier to say. <laughs> All right. So from live from Themisport is Dan Spicer. Um, so what's it like at the polls today? So only four uh, fires at the tabulator machine okay. so far. So nothing, nothing significant. Um, no, but it's uh, surprising. I just voted at about eleven fifteen. And shockingly low turnout for for everyone. Um, and here's the, I guess, the interesting facet for you is that there's about 433 uh, voters so far at 11 at four in high school, which is one of the higher turnout areas in Milford or Thomasport, I should say. And um, that's shockingly low for for this. And that includes Democrats and Republicans. Hmm. So, and based on how they have it set up, as I'm sure you guys know, um, you have a Democrat table and a Republican table as far as the sign-in, right? Right. And the, the process was, was pretty smooth, considering there's only been 433 people. Um, it wasn't hard to get in and out. But um, uh, what they commented on both sides of the aisle, so to speak, is that um, it's about four to one Democrat turning out right now for, hmm. for their primary. Yeah. And I have to imagine that the, the lieutenant governor race is a lot more, uh, has a lot more pull. There's no Joe Gannon signs down here. There yeah. are no signs for uh, Ned Lamont. There are signs for Eva, though, which yeah. is uh, surprising or not surprising because I guess, you know, that's more of a grassroots campaign in my opinion. But yeah. anyway. And the, those Eva signs are nice, too. I like them. I mean, they color, are very shiny and nice. The, the, the colorways are nice. All right. That they sounds great. Sure. Uh, anything else you want to say, Dan? That's pretty much it. All right. I uh, appreciate what you're doing, and I look forward to hearing the rest of the show. That was a fine uh, report from Themisport, otherwise known as Milford. I think that's the old name is Milford, uh, and that was Dan Spicer checking in with us. Uh, he did a good job, too. I think we'll have him back next year. He's a, he's a newbie with us this year. Joining us now is uh, somebody who's done this with us in the past, uh, uh, Josh Pollack, uh, minister uh, of the Unitarian Universalist Society uh, East in Manchester. Uh, he votes in Glastonbury. Uh, he's done this before. He knows how it works. So so, Josh, uh, hey. as as a uh, as a minister, I'll ask you to tell us what sorts of sensations were flourishing inside your soul as you went to vote today. 
Well, I I was excited to vote, uh, although it was very hot, and I drove into the polling place, and one of the things that I noticed right away, the, the parking lot was really full. Uh, and I couldn't I could not find a space around the the, the voter area where they're directing the voters to park, mm-hmm. nor can I find a space in the back of the building. And I went around the other side where the, the people are coming in for town business. And I thought, wow, this is an amazing turnout, much higher than I expected. But then I saw people coming in with yoga mats oh. and I realized people were coming in for yoga. And I don't know if they were voting there are a lot of people coming with yoga mats, and that's actually, I think, what was taking up most of the parking. So when I went into the polling area, there were actually four, four people <laughs> voting at that time, and uh, there was not a wait at all. And uh, I asked, how's the turnout been? And the, the, the person said, steady, and it felt like she was looking for the right word, and I took that as code for unimpressive the right. turnout is unimpressive that, that and that was my take now i went in at 9 30 so that's a little i think that's a kind of a lull time in general that would be my expectation but um, i, li- I like that choice of word i like the choice of the word steady because steady could describe one person an hour showing up or a yes. hundred person yeah. people an hour showing up as long as it were a consistent pattern of one or the other so steady Not like a yeah, that's bank. You should bank that idea. That's a really good answer if you don't want to really answer. Right. It may even preach. I don't know. Right. Yeah, it might preach. And of course, the yoga voters are able to color in the circles with their thoughts, with their minds. Yes. So they don't have yeah. to check in. So that's uh, yeah. another advantage. All right. Well, that. Oh, you know what? As long as you're on the on the subject of this whole experience, one point that was made to me earlier today by uh, I think it was by Paul Siegel, who's a, a faculty member at University of Hartford, is you know one thing that many people look forward to. Maybe you not so much because I'm guessing that big sales are just kind of in your life a little bit. What was running a church and all, but a, a lot of people really look forward to the big sale uh, there at the school. But the problem with an August 14th primary is that the PTOs and the PTAs and whoever it is who's in charge of the bake sale they're not around so there's no damn cookies no. yeah no i didn't there was no bake sale but i will tell you one of the first times i i did this show i thought i will get donuts and coffee for the for the people standing out with the signs and i did that and the the first time i did it there was no one there standing out with the signs so <laughs> I was trying to, you know, do my own bake sale, and it, it didn't work. Right. And and so I haven't done that since. And I, it would, if I had done that this morning, there would have been no one to, to get my donuts. All right. So late turnout uh, in uh, Glastonbury, but Josh Pollock's heart is full, uh, nonetheless. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but not his stomach because no donuts. All right. Listen, All right. Uh, Josh, thanks so, so much for calling in and doing your citizen observer duty. Uh, we're going to be moving around the state here. I will say that if we get a chance. Uh, and somebody has um, particularly uh, a story that could almost be described as news. You know, I mean, if you went to vote today and there was something out of the ordinary going on, uh, there was like if you saw uh, this happens in Winstead with some regularity. If you saw like a sheep voting, for example, we would want to know that. Uh, 860-275-7266. 
860-275-7266. We can't guarantee that we'll get all the calls on the air because we do have uh, quite a few people uh, set up and ready to go here. Uh, and uh, we, uh, well, I mean, Betsy Kaplan is just keeping me on a very tight leash. That's all I have to say about that. So uh, joining uh, joining us now is another one of our scheduled voters. She's been on this show before, Christine Woodside, uh, writer, editor, journalist, and the author of Libertarians on the Prairie, Laura Ingalls Wilder, Rose Wilder Lane, and Making of the Little House Books. She's working on a new book about tenant farmers in New Jersey before 1960. She votes in the beautiful town of Deep River, Connecticut. Uh, And uh, first of all, welcome back to our show, Christine Woodside. Thank you, Colin. Nice to be here. Now, uh, I I assume I can make this point without necessarily uh, giving away too much, but typically you don't vote in primaries. Typically you're an unaffiliated voter. Yeah, I, I am a flag-waving unaffiliated voter. I, I will get into arguments at parties about how terrible politi- political parties are. <clears throat> so um, this time I, I was reminded um, that we have a very interesting Democratic primary. So for only the third time in my life, I trotted down to Deep River Town Hall last week and changed my party affiliation so that I could vote in the Democratic primary. Um, yeah, the other two times were the Obama uh, primary in 2008, and then way back in the early 80s, I had a boyfriend in Philadelphia who was managing the campaign of a controller uh, who wanted to be city controller, and he was had forced a primary. So my boyfriend showed up at my office and signed me up as a Democrat. <laughs> ah. Yeah. How long did that relationship last? Um, well, we broke up soon thereafter, actually. <laughs> See, he made you register with a party, and then you broke up. Never date a controller, unless it's Kevin Lemo. Kevin Lemo's very nice. But other than that, don't—I don't, uh, advise—what with knowing Bill Curry pretty well, I advise people do not date controllers or even former controllers. So I just—you know, you're actually somebody who's, uh, because of what you've written about, obviously very in touch with certain um, uh, independent uh, uh, elements of the American spirit. Uh, and uh, yeah. so I don't know. Why, why, were you in a good mood about voting today? Did you see things that made you happy? Were you happy to be there at the polls with all those people holding signs and stuff? Well, our polls in Deep River are very quiet today. There were probably six people there, but it was a steady six people. So I noticed there were, you know, people kept coming in from the parking lot. When I went in and I, I kind of, walked in and realized, oh, I have to walk up to the table that says Democrat, which made me feel kind of funny, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I normally just am not either one. And so the two guys at the table said, you change your party affiliation for this? <laughs> 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 and I, I wanted to say, well, I'm a very principled person, you know, I'm not so sure if your party wants to have a candidate who served time in jail. Do you think he can do okay in the general election? You know, I don't think the people I, I, at the table are allowed to answer that question. No, and I, I didn't ask them either. Right. Um, they were very nice. So is your plan uh, to brush this affiliation off like dandruff the minute uh, you're all done with today? In other words, uh, are you right back to being affiliated as yes. quick as you can go? Yes. In fact, when, one of, when I re-registered and, you know, changed the affiliation in 2008, the registrar said to me, now, you know, we, I can help you fix this the day after the election if you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I, I don't do it that quickly. But I, I, I guess I dream of a time in America when we didn't have when we wouldn't have any political parties. And I would hope it would not be like a runoff election in a in a new republic where you have 47 candidates. But I, I 
I dream of a time when we can think for ourselves a little more and not have to go with what the party recommends. If I were a little bit more nimble, I could link that to some of the themes in your your book about Laura Ingalls Wilder and her family. I'm but, sure but, that you could. <laughs> but you I'm, can just tell everyone to read my book and yeah. sit up late at night wondering about these things. All right. Listen, Christine Woodside, a great report, terrific report from Deep River. Uh, boy, Betsy Kaplan, really cracking the whip here today. All right. I'm going to this is a non-scheduled phone call uh, from Kat uh, in Hartford. Hi, Kat. You're on the air. I love your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that, that makes it totally worth going to take your uh, phone call. So what's going on in Hartford today? Yeah, so I'm actually, like, sharing my opinion as both a poll stander for some local candidates as well as a voter. And I'm seeing two ends of the spectrum. And I want to, like, talk about the positive first. Okay. There's a lot of people who are really excited to vote. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, coming out in big groups, um, maybe, like, a less uh, less consistently than what other people are seeing. But people are showing up with a full van of people, with their kids, really happy to vote. And that's something that I haven't experienced previously. I grew up in a small town in Connecticut, and the days where you vote, you kept your head down and it was quiet Mm -hmm. and um, you didn't share your business with anyone. And in Hartford, everyone's loud and proud. Right. You know, actually, um, there's a terrific book by Michael Shudson. I think it's called The Civic Good, where he talks about that, that in the 19th century and even the early 20th century, that's much, very much the way voting was everywhere. It was it was a big party, you know, and there were parades and, you know, I mean, it, and and it, it was really regarded as kind of a festival uh, around America as opposed to that keep your head down stuff. All right. I'm going to play detective, Cat. I'm going to guess yeah. that you're poll standing in a poll related to the race between Minnie Gonzalez and and get in long. Ayo, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so Go. Go that's the other end of it is like I, um, I'm standing on like one end, right? And I was representing Eva and Gannon. Um, love them. Really proud of everyone standing on the mini side as well. You know, people are getting together and are again practicing their right to vote. But at a certain point this morning, I stopped getting excited about talking to people because Mm -hmm. people started flinching when I was coming towards them. Mm -hmm. And on the other end, um, people have speakers, they're coming around with their cars blaring music and blaring like vote for many. And then I was over there standing alone or with one other person being like, hi, we also have these pamphlets about um, what is it called? Nightfall, that like life-size puppet show. Yes, And people were just like, afraid of me and i miss i'm a small woman i look like a 12 year old boy you know i'm not intimidating um and so i guess i got a little uncomfortable and i felt really bad because people are being uh, like pressured and are uncomfortable and you can see it well you know that's i mean first of all i think it's so great that you're doing what you're doing and i think it's uh, obviously you. you're a, a younger person uh, I'm going to have to move on. I'm going to get so much trouble with Betsy Kaplan for talking uh, to you uh, for too long. But, you know, it's just great to see people getting involved in the process. And, yeah, you're going to have good days and bad days, and they're going to be, 
you know, days where you feel like you don't like the way the system's working and stuff like that. But that's sort of part of it, too. You know, I mean, even sort of um, the feelings you're describing, you know, there there's no completely yellow brick road version of politics, uh, and at least that I've ever seen. Uh, joining us now. So I always say that this show is not for people that you would call it consider political insiders or anything like that. And the one exception we make every year is for Lenny Grimaldi, uh, because basically, how are you going to talk about Bridgeport at all if you're not going to talk to Lenny Grimaldi, journalist, founder of the webzine only in Bridgeport uh, and author of several books, including Connecticut Characters, Personality, Spicing Up the Nutmeg State. Uh, Lenny, of course, votes in Bridgeport. Uh, so uh, Bridgeport, I-, I would imagine Lenny just taking a wild guess that turnout's relatively good in Bridgeport today. So I have an oxymoron for you. Okay. Or sort of an oxymoron. The experience of voting at the polls in Bridgeport is by absentee ballot. Ah. Because you're going to have today, Colin, probably, I'm projecting, 20% of Democratic voters in Bridgeport are going to cast the ballot via by absentee. And, you know, that is a rite of passage in Bridgeport. Bank votes as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's, we've got, you know, some areas there's an uptick in turnout. Others, it's a steady sound of crickets. But... <laughs> That's because some of these other pockets have already, a whole bunch of people have already voted by absentee ballot. It'll be like 1,500 um, as of the count you know, coming in this morning will have voted that way. And that's probably going to project out close to a 20% turnout. You know, one question that I have uh, is, uh, I mean, it could be argued that every election day in Bridgeport is exciting in one way or another. Um, Sometimes it's because they don't have enough ballots. Sometimes it's for some other reason. But, I mean, I would assume people are, I don't know, you're almost describing something that sounds a little quieter and calmer than I would expect from a statewide election with Joe Gannon running for governor. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. I think, you know, whether it is the Joe Gannon camp or the Ned Lamont camp, they're looking for, you know, quality over quantity is are the people that we've identified, are they coming out to vote? And that's what they ultimately look, look for in these things. And primaries are just really strange ducks. We've seen a lot of weird things happen because it's, you know, it's, a, it's an August summer primary. And people just start waking up within the last week, really, mm-hmm. yeah. going out to vote. And, well, millions and millions of dollars have been spent all over the place for these primaries, right? But still, yeah. it takes a while to wake people up to say, you know, you're voting on August, you know, 14th. Right. In this primary for governor. So that there's a lot of effort going into, like, you know, grabbing people by the collar and say, hey, wake up. Come on out. Right. I, I'd say six o'clock or so. Things are going to get a lot more exciting uh, in Bridgeport. Uh, Lenny Grimaldi, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sorry to rush, uh, but I'm under a tremendous amount of pressure, uh, most of it being imposed by Betsy Kaplan. All right. So Barry Blitt. Uh, Barry Blitt uh, is somebody I've had a chance to uh, work with in a live setting uh, and also get to know a little bit. Uh, he's One of the things we're doing t- uh, this year is covering Roxbury very tightly. It's sort of the Dixwell notch of Connecticut as Roxbury goes, so goes the whole state. Uh, that's actually not really true, but it just it's an argument for having two guests from Roxbury on. Anyway, uh, Barry Blitt, cartoonist at The New Yorker. You've seen so many of his uh, epic uh, and uh, absolutely unforgettable covers. Uh, and last time, Barry, you were with us. I believe you, you were a new voter, a new American voter, right? Having uh, been naturalized uh, after years of Canadian citizenship. 
That's right. So, so now I'm jaded with my second time <laughs> in the voting booth. Oh, this again. Uh, so, Sorry. yeah. So, you know, I, I'm sort of thinking, you know, some of your orientation as an artist, as a uh, for your career is a little bit in New York. Uh, you get here. There's this kind of confusing uh, Connecticut ballot, which got all kinds of uh, stuff on it. I don't know. I mean, first of all, how did you feel voting today? Did you feel confident about what you were doing? Happy about what you were doing? Happy and confident. Uh, those aren't two of my uh, <laughs> my usual strongholds. That was a pretty uh, stupid question, actually. It wasn't a stupid question. I mean, it was it was pleasant enough. Yeah. There was a there was a minor kerfuffle actually when I left the voting booth with uh, the felt pen. Oh. And the nice lady made me go back and put it put it back. Right. But aside from that, I think it. Everything went smoothly, if you're asking me about the actual event itself. Well, no, I'm also asking you about, in your artistic soul, um, how, how you were feeling. Uh, artistic soul. Wow. Do we have like 90 minutes for me to think <laughs> about that? <laughs> we have none whatsoever. This is free association. I say soul, you say... Right. Uh, rabid. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Go ahead. I, I, yeah, I mean, I... I I guess it's not a safe uh, democratic uh, 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 p- p- vote uh, around here. No. Is that correct? Well, I mean, so, yeah, I, I don't think anything's safe in this particular. First of all, I think we gave up on safe, you know, I don't know, late 2015, mid 2016. I think we pretty much threw the word safe out the window. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, Connecticut itself, when was the last time Connecticut voted for a uh, Republican president? I mean, just presidential that's safe isn't it that's typically pretty safe but we've had republican governors uh, right know, yeah multitudinous republican governors as uh-huh. recently as uh, 2006 uh, that was republican. before this that was before this canadian voted though so. right yeah so obviously you bring a whole kind of maple syrupy kind of new <laughs> uh, yes, I, yes i do that's exactly <laughs> what i bring <laughs> All right, so you had a good time, and uh, nobody was mean to you except the lady who wouldn't let you steal the pen. And... Even she was smiling. No, it was, a, right. it was a pleasant experience. Yeah, Roxbury's a small town. I mean, the longer you live there, you're going to just like know everybody that you see on Election Day by like one more cycle, probably. It's true. Yeah, I didn't actually see. There was no one else except the, the people manning the station, but... Uh... Yeah, it would be nice to see friendly faces there. All right. Well, listen, Barry, we're going to move on here to a break. Barry Blitt, uh, the famous, uh, uh, and uh, we're actually, we're, not only were we doing double coverage of Roxbury, we're kind of doing double celebrity coverage of Roxbury. I think there are only like seven or eight people in Roxbury who are not celebrities. Uh, so, you know, just, just throwing the net in there, you're going to come up with something anyway. Uh, so anyway, Barry Blitt, uh, the great artist who uh, draws so many uh, famous New Yorker covers. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with the second half of our Double Punch Roxbury coverage with Jack Gilpin. Some people say that politics are getting in a pretty bad fix It's got to worry you don't know what to do If a fella don't know how to vote He'll find out he's missed the boat He'll be set behind that eight ball too All right. Welcome back to our Citizen Observer show. We do this for every election cycle, whether it's a primary or a general election. 
We don't have the insiders and the pundits and all those kind of number crunchers, and we don't do that. Uh, instead, we talk to people, real people, who are voting, uh, people who have the citizens' typical stake in the outcome of any election. And we try to get uh, a pretty uh, diverse group of people uh, to talk to us about all that. Uh, but uh, this year, we decided to go really heavy on Roxbury because it is, it's the Dixwell Notch of Connecticut. Uh, so joining us uh, is the Reverend Jack Gilpin. Uh, Jack is not only rector at St. John's Episcopal Church in New Milford, He's also an actor in both theater, movies, TV shows. Uh, those of us who are big Jack Gilpin fans sat up extra straight when we were watching Succession, and suddenly there he is getting off a plane, uh, father of the groom at the big wedding. Uh, so, uh, and I should add, uh, although Jack, I think there's a danger, you know, the longer that this goes on, you're going to start being known as the father of Betty Gilpin. But, yeah. um, I am already known as the father of Betty Gilpin. <laughs> but Betty Gilpin uh, is doing just a tearing up the wrestling rings uh, in in glow uh, these days. She's just a, a fabulous performer, too. So, Jack, long introduction. Uh, you've been devote. Uh, you have an artistic soul. You have a spiritual soul. Uh, I don't know which one was set a flutter and in what way. I'll just let you describe it. <laughs> Uh, I would say that the, uh, both the artistic and the spiritual souls were uh, uh, calmed and made peaceful by uh, the voting this morning. Roxbury is a small town, and everybody knows everybody else. And uh, uh, you go in; it's always the same. I go in early because I I go to work, and uh, uh, afterwards, and there's a, a table with three uh, women on the Republican side and a table with three women on the Democratic side. They're all they're all friends, and. Uh, uh, I go over and I know them all, and uh, but still, it's by the book. I take out my driver's license and they check it against the the register, and then I go and vote. And afterwards, uh, uh, I said to uh, I turned around and just saw them looking at me. I was the only one in there at that point, and I said, "What do you guys throw spitballs at each other for for fun?" And they just sort of laughed. And and the woman in the middle on the Republican side said, "No, I I just got a call a couple of days ago coming to come and do this." And I asked the person, "Why are you calling me?" And they said, "Because I'm a registered Republican." And she said, I am. <laughs> and then on the Democratic side, the woman in the middle said, my husband and I used to be registered independent, but then a few years ago we realized we were doing ourselves out of the opportunity of having a say in who gets nominated. So we divvied it up. Uh, we flipped, and I got Democratic, and he got Republican. And uh, so uh, we, we are in on each of the primaries, and then we vote for whoever the heck we want. First of all, I love it that you're having those kinds of conversations uh, on days like this, and I think it's a feature of small-town life. And I think the other feature you're describing is, you know, relative comedy, you know? I mean, yeah, which, absolutely. which is what we want, is what we dream of. It's this kind of Norman Rockwell vision we have of what an election day can be. I don't uh -huh. think it's achieved everywhere, but it's nice that, that you're having it. Uh, well, that's, uh, I think it's, uh, I don't know if you know about, there's a book by Jim Fallows and Deborah Fallows, uh, uh, you know, the guy who used to be yeah, yeah. the uh, managing editor of the Atlantic Monthly, it describes a year that they spent traveling around America in small towns and, mm -hmm. and small cities. And, and that's what they describe. Is a, uh, there's a, at that level, there's much more a sense of comedy, as you, as you put it, and, and uh, cooperation and, and civility. And people not paying a lot of attention uh, to the, the things that divide us, but wanting to, to uh, find ways to cooperate and finding ways to cooperate. Well, Jack Gilpin, it's so great to talk to you between you and Barry. Actually, you and Barry and I were all on a panel together. I think that's I just realized that's how I know both of you. But, uh, um, that's correct. It was a few years ago. At Wisdom correct. House, yeah. So anyway, it's great to talk to you. Uh, thanks for all that you do, both as a clergyman and as an actor. And, of course, thank you for uh, your contribution and your fictional, fictional uh, wife's contribution to the wine uh, at the wedding. I know uh, you helped pay for <laughs> yes. that. And, okay, thanks a lot, uh, Anything you can do to get the Roy family drunk I think is important. All right, uh, we're going to uh, move on here. And I said we'd probably have some time. 
time to take a call or two. Uh, I meant it, and I think Betsy Kaplan thinks I can do it. So here's Cly in New Haven. Hi. Are you still there? Are you on, are I you, am. Yeah. I am. What's going Matt, on? Still here. How are you? Good. So I voted earlier. First of all, I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, local politics. I'm deep into it. I love it. But it was very strange. So I, I live in New Haven, mm-hmm. and I live in a Hispanic black area, mm-hmm. right? And, and I'm noticing, I'm saying, wow. Uh, you know, there's a lot of signs here. There's a lot of energy. This is very exciting. And then I see the people putting out the signs that say, "Wow, there's a lot of man, tuck it red." <laughs> you know, for this for this side of town, yeah. I just put it like that. A lot of white guys out in there tuck it red, and I'm like, "Wow, that's great." And then I'm more shocked to see that they're putting Ganem signs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Wow, you know, feel how you want to feel about the guy." I don't think that that that's a typical volunteer or supporter. Then I then I notice they are pulling the signs. <laughs> And to me, it was disconcerting because feel how you want to feel about the guy. You know, Joe, and from what I can tell from following, that's a very grassroots campaign. Yep. I don't know if you need to, you know, send down the hammer on the guy. You know, it's already an uphill battle enough. Right. So there, that, that was strange, especially in New Haven. Yeah. So, so there were, I just want to make sure. So you saw people kind of yanking up the Gandam signs and taking them away? Yeah, I yeah. thought they were. I thought they were. Well, they, they weren't taking them anywhere from what I could see. But I was <laughs> driving my way up. I thought they were putting them in, and that's what was shocking to me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, you know, the the, the Vineyard Vines Ganem contingent is, <laughs> I would think, rare. Right, exactly. So, so I found that strange, but just there's so much excitement. I would like to say in general, at the polls in New Haven, there's so much excitement for so many of the candidates, and I think that it's been good for Connecticut. All right. Clyde, it's good uh, good for Connecticut to have uh, voters like you and people who participate with that, that kind of enthusiasm and brio. All right, so um, let's we we should go to Ruth now. I'm just trying to stand, keep on schedule. Yes, I got a thumbs up from Betsy Camlin on that one. So this is Ruth. Uh, I was uh, recruiting Republicans, uh, and uh, Ruth, uh, we're not using her uh, last name right now, but she's a vintage jewelry dealer from Bloomfield. Uh, and uh, Ruth, so you went to vote today. Uh, tell us what it was like to vote. Oh, I drove over. I pulled in. I got out of the car, and I walked past a couple of guys dressed as some for Democratic candidates and has to tell them, sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> knocked on the door for the handicap entrance, went in and voted. There was, it was steady, but there was no line. Yeah. This word steady keeps coming up. And so, so steady, no line, that means, I don't know how many times you voted or how many times you voted in primaries, but I, I feel um, like I'm getting... I was 18. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I'm hearing kind of late-ish turnout. Um, well, well, first off, I was talking about 10 o'clock in the morning, yep. and... Everybody coming out then would be the retirees and the other folks who aren't tied to a desk at nine to five. Mm-hmm. And that uh, means a lighter, it's going to be lighter anyway at that point. Oh, case. yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. So you did the whole thing. You used the handicap uh, entrance. You did the voting. I, did, you, did, you, did you walk out of there with a feeling of calm, a feeling of having done your patriotic duty? How would you describe your state of mind at that moment? Thinking about what I had to do next. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking checking them off the list? Exactly. All right. We voted. Now we go over to something else. All right. And something else I had to do is actually, is actually attached to another polling place. In Bloomfield, they're kind of lined up. It's mm-hmm. a high school, the old junior high, mm-hmm. and then this elementary school. And they're all in a row there, basically. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at the traffic at the high school. I didn't, didn't go past, didn't look. But the one at the old junior high, it was that was actually there was quite a few cars there. Oh, okay. 
Well, that's good to hear. Well, listen, Ruth, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for sharing uh, your uh, experiences as a Republican voter and I think a pretty Democratic-leaning town there, Bloomfield. Uh, all right, uh, we've got time to talk to Mike, and then I think we'll go to a break, and then we're going to come back. Uh, we'll have um, Republican numismatists, uh, and uh, we'll end today uh, as we should uh, we'll try to get maybe a call or two in uh, beyond the one I'm about to take. But we have to end with Lara, Lara Herskovich. She was on the first ever Citizen Observer program, which I think might have been in 2012 or possibly in 1912. Uh, but uh, And she's never missed one since then. So, I mean, I think that's where we have to, to end the show. But right now we got Mike in Cromwell. Mike, what's going on in Cromwell? Hey there, Colin. Um, so there's probably about 20 active voters there at the high school today. Mm-hmm. But... Um, we have a uh, state Senate uh, campaign going on. So there was actually one of the candidates outside um, of the high school, Matt Lesser. Yes. He's one of the Bernie people yes. against uh, Tony Barrera. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a registered Democrat, so I was able to see kind of their talent mark. And it looked like um, they had about 200 people at the W through whatever table. That's where I'm at. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it seemed like pretty relative to the Republican. Right. So that, that's, I'm, I'm just happy to yeah. see that people are voting. I would say it's a pretty good turnout that early in the day for an August 14th primary. And yeah, that's right. So the Paul Doyle Senate seat is open because he's running for attorney general. I believe that's the mm-hmm. one that uh, Alyssa and Gore are, are going after. All right, Mike. Well, that's a good report. Uh, that's a sign of uh, uh, some strength in, uh, in Cromwell. I think what I'm going to do now is go to a break. Uh, We'll take a little break. When we come back, we have two more of our citizen observers. We might get your phone call, too. 860-275-7266. Particularly if you saw a voting machine on fire or a clown voting, that would be important. We would want to know that a clown had voted. All right. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan, with help from me, Kyone Wolf. The part of Bill Curry was played by Lenny Grimaldi. On tomorrow's show, we revisit our conversation about Hannah Arendt. And now, back to Colin. All right. Uh, yes, and welcome to our Citizen Observer Show. If you're just tuning in and you just heard our expensive uh, uh, fanfare, we have to bring the whole Colin McEnroe Show Orchestra in to play that live here in the studio. Uh, and I should mention that we will be back on the air tonight at 8 p.m., uh, not with that fanfare because John Dankosky <laughs> hates it. <laughs> but uh, we will be back on the air. John Dankosky, Lucy Nalbathanchel, the best radio news team ever, uh, and uh, also some special guests like Paula Bass and Danny Har and Daniela Altamari and uh, and Viggy and lots of people calling in from around the state. I don't know how we're going to fit it all in. Oh, and we have um, uh, Bilal Siku and uh, the other guy whose name I don't know. <laughs> I probably should have prepared a little bit better. Anyway, it's going to be a great night, 8 to 10. We'll tell you what's going on to whatever degree we can figure that out, which might be a relatively low degree. All right, so one of the things that I said is if we're going to get a representative representative sample of Connecticut, uh, I said to Betsy Kaplan, get me a numismatist. 
I don't, I, I don't want a philatelist. I want a numismatist. Uh, and ideally, uh, a, a, numism, a husband and wife numismatist team would be even better. Sarah Betsy Kaplan, she never fails. Uh, she tracked down exactly that. Harold and Jan Kritzman uh, joining us, uh, owner of Old Town Coin Company in Newington. Uh, they voted today. So, um, Harold, since I can hear you laughing, I'll have you start off. Uh, okay, how are yeah. things at the Newington polls today? Oh, my goodness. My wife and I are uh, in District 6 in Newington, uh, which has always been heavily Democratic. We arrived about 9 a.m. at the John Patterson Elementary School, uh, noticing uh, what appeared to be a very sparse turnout at that hour. There were two people holding signs who confirmed uh, light turnout when we asked them since about 6 a.m. when the polls opened. There was plenty of parking spaces, which was unusual. No lines ahead of us to cast our ballots. Only a trickle of, of uh, visitors came in while we were there. Uh, huh. Just so you know, we brought our call, as, as you told us, our insane clown posse club cards. Yes. Didn't know you were a fellow member, Colin. Oh, yeah, I'm a juggalo, definitely. <laughs> also a recent bar tap from the restaurant we don't remember the name of. Yes. Our global entry ID to speed us through. Right. Our new Medicare cards, which <laughs> no longer have Social Security numbers on them, so nobody really cared to see them anyway. However, we also brought a sense of humor, which everyone appreciated, because there was no air conditioning in the gym. Ooh, those poor people, those poor poll workers. No, you ain't kidding. So Ooh. I guess it was, at that time, one of the hottest places to be in town. Yes, well, indeed. <laughs> so, uh, Jan, is Jan on the line, too? Yes, she is. So, Jan, uh, how are you feeling now that you've done your civic duty today? Uh, are you feeling patriotic or just tired and sweaty? Colin, I, I always feel both, patriotic and tired and sweaty. Um, I have an announcement to make. Okay. Um, that no matter who wins or no matter who loses, Harold and I are not leaving Connecticut. Oh, good. Um, most of our friends are gone, but <laughs> you know, we're not leaving. Um, we're staying here. We've been here for like 50 years, and we're not going anywhere. So uh, there's actually a, a, an ulterior motive for our not leaving. All our kids are here, our grandchildren are here, and everybody's here. Yeah. So if we moved away, I don't think they would come and visit us, so we really kind of have to stay here. But that's good to hear. Everybody's yeah. always telling these stories about fleeing and stuff like that, so it's good to know. And you guys are iconic. I mean, you know, Old Town Coin Company, numismatists uh, of Newington. Uh, we can't have you guys uh, turning up in, you know, Pensacola or something. Well, that no. never we, we, we are, however, going to be retiring after our 47th year in continuous business here in about three weeks. What? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, here's the thing. You know, <laughs> you always have that so-called bucket list that you're hoping to fill, and one of those was a trip to Israel, mm -hmm. uh, which we did uh, last, uh, month. last month and took all of our grandchildren uh, who have, were of bar mitzvah age, and they did celebrate their bar mitzvahs right on the top of Mount Masada, which in itself was an incredible experience. And you know, when you do these things and you anticipate doing these things and you realize that you've been putting them off, whatever they might be, that trip that you wanted to take, uh, that place uh, that you've never seen, and so on, when you actually get the gumption to do it, and you experience better than you ever expected to realize, you know, we're only on this earth for a short amount of time. And, uh, you know, we've done this for 47 years. Right. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, yeah. there's something else for us to, to find uh, in this world to do. Uh, not that we're going to retire, per se. We're still going to continue uh, uh, doing the type of work we, we've been doing, right. but on a, 
on a on an appointment, appointment only. basis. Appointment only, uh, numismatism. Well, keep chasing those rainbows. You might find That's a pot right. of gold coins at the bottom <laughs> of them. Happens. Meanwhile, Coyote Wolf is coming over sometime in the next three weeks with a big bucket of coins from her travels. Uh, some of them, uh, I think, is currency from uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, I wouldn't uh, <laughs> necessarily buy that stuff. But anyway, uh, Harold and Jan, thank you so much for being part of today's show. Harold and Jan Kritzman, uh, they run, for the time being, Old Town Coin Company in Newington. They voted today in the primary, and they're happy but sweaty. Uh, all right, we're a minute away from uh, having Lara Herskovich uh, on as our last guest. If you wanted to get in, particularly if you had any kind of little newsy thing, like you went to vote today and something unusual happened, there was a cat who checked you in, for example, that would be... You know, it would be unusual. 860-275-7266, or they ran out of ballots. I mean, we don't want to hear. We're not invested in the idea of there being problems. You know, we don't want that. But if there are problems, we would like to know about them. We don't want the voting machines to catch on fire or the ballots to be, you know, from Idaho or something. We don't want that. But if it, if it does happen, we, we do need to know. 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. And meanwhile, as I say, the person who I, holds the record for uh, not only most appearances on our Citizen Observer Show, but I believe all Citizen Observer Show appearances have involved uh, our next guest, Laura. Herskovich. Uh, she is a, a former state troubadour. She is a singer, songwriter, recording artist. Uh, and uh, now I've got some stuff in front of me. She's a creative director and editor of the Community Leadership Program. Uh, and, is she, and the blog is The Circle. And she's from North Guilford. I don't know. Is there something else you want to say about yourself? Uh, I'm happy to be here on your show, as always. <laughs> okay. So um, so you were on at the very beginning when we first started up this idea, and you're still doing it. Uh, so uh, what was going on in your artistic soul today as you went to the polls? I've, I've been intrigued by this recurring idea through the theme of your show today of artistic soul, because honestly, that is where I started today. So I've mm-hmm. been... I've been reading a little bit lately about philosophy because my new backing band is named The Highway Philosophers, and it's a song I'm working on, so I thought, well, hell, I need to brush up from my my college philosophy 101 course. And just last night, I was reading about Socrates drinking the hemlock and all the artistic renderings of it. Well, sure enough, I drive up to go to my voting location in North Sleepy, beautiful uh, rural North Guilford, and the street that I've really never noticed the name of before was Hemlock Avenue Hmm. that reaches the street where the elementary school where I vote is. So I I was thinking a lot about what feels to me like the fragility of democracy mm-hmm. um, as I drove up Hemlock Avenue. And of course, the flip side to this is that I, I believe there's also reason for hope because a lot of us are now aware of the fragility that, you know, in every past voting experience of my own, I've taken it for granted and just thought, woo, I was a political science major in college. It's voting day. I'm being a good citizen check the box, get the sticker, like a good to go. <laughs> and now, to me anyway, approaching voting today, knowing I was coming on your show, I, I also just happened to get one of those little windshield ding cracks that's, you know, maybe going to spread, maybe not. And mm-hmm. I thought that's a good metaphor for how I'm feeling about our democracy right now, that it's clear to me that we need to get engaged and make sure that crack doesn't spread um, to the point. Now I'm mixing metaphors, but, you know, if a windshield crack could turn into hemlock, uh, and so on. So I get to the poll location. This is a small town, about 20,000 people. I got here midday. There were no people holding signs, but there were a lot of signs, only though from four of the 25-ish candidates on the ballot up here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in Guilford, about a third of the voters are registered with the Democratic Party, a third Republican, a third independent. And I heard the same theme. I heard it's been a steady stream, which I suppose is consistent for our land of steady habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I what I heard from the workers was that uneventful is good. So they were, I know you're looking for news items. They were very happy that there weren't any news items. Of course. You know, a lot of people are sort of grateful when uh, civility shows up. And certainly where I was today, that was very, very present. I spoke to know, about seven people. I got mm-hmm. to the polls early, and I noticed that they kind of divided themselves into two types. So the first type was a little bit more resonant with how I'm feeling, worried about the windshield crack, worried about the hemlock and Socrates and such. Mm-hmm. The first person I talked to when I you know, just posed a general question like, how are you feeling today? I heard, I don't know how to spell this, but basically I heard, ugh. <laughs> She's waiting for November. You know, uh, about half of the people I spoke to really were very conscious of feeling um, anxious, scared, fatigued, alarmed. And the conversations that we have were like, it was like we were sharing some some sick child together that we needed to care for and get back on, on its feet. Um, I heard things like the country is in such bad shape and it's scary and it's a terrible climate. Every day we're hearing all of this bad news, followed by attack ads, and one person direct quote, I hope they give us a break from all of these attack ads. And I, I told that person to wait for wait for December for, for that to be to be true. You know, I don't know I if you've heard, seen it. Uh, there, there was one uh, candidate, I won't say which candidate it was, and it was actually a PAC supporting that candidate who um, did an ad saying, maybe you need a puppy break. Uh, and it was just pictures of puppies. I think it had the puppies had had the names of the other candidates underneath them, so they probably were like ugly puppies or something. But still, I thought, good idea, because, I mean, yeah. boy, do we need a puppy break. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I heard someone told me a story about a, he didn't know if it was true, he thought it was true, but he's very fearful of hacking, not just Russian hacking, but other hacking. He had heard of a story in Florida that young people were getting messages saying, you don't have to go to the polls to vote, you can vote on your phone, just vote here, and they were doing it, mm. um, not knowing that that was taking their vote out of the, the mainstream. But the other half of the people I talked to were just completely nonplussed. And I said, how are you feeling today? And they said, good, I always vote, no big deal, got to vote. Um, I asked one, one man um, who said, uh, I don't know much about the candidates, but I always vote. I said, is there anything different for you about today? Because, of course, I'm thinking of, the national climate and the culture and the divisions. And he said, why? Because it's a primary. So, <laughs> there you go. Um, well, Laura Herskovich, yeah. I, I need to wrap up because we want to play one of your songs, uh, one of my uh, favorite Laura Herskovich songs uh, to end the show here today. But thank you. As, as usual, she uh, has done a fabulous job of kind of summing things up. Uh, it is. Uh, and by the way, that noise, I believe, is spelled E-H-E-U. The noise that that person meant. <sighs> At least in French. Or Latin. It's spelled E-H-E-U. <laughs> anyway, I'll stop making ugly noises so that Lara Herskovich, our final guest here, can make some beautiful ones. More than the dollar bill. Oh, say can you see from New York to New Orleans by the door Gonna make this turn out all right. We're
Yeah.